0: Welcome to When I Was on My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Welcome, everyone, to another podcast of When I Was on My Mission. We have with us Eric Bowen. Eric, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Round two. Here we go.
0: Yeah, it's been round two and we're excited to have you back. Just for a refresher, where did you serve your mission, Eric?
1: So yeah, I was in the Suriname region. So it's uh, South America, above Brazil, and Dutch speaking.
0: Dutch speaking. Yeah. Excellent. And just to kind of warm up a little bit, what is the weirdest thing that you ate while you were down there?
1: Oh, man, that's a good one. I feel like I could go on for a while, do a whole podcast on it, but...
0: Well, we'll have you back at some point, but...
1: Round three. I'm trying to think. I'll just name a few of them. We had curry cow brain.
0: Oh, nice.
1: That was pretty good. We had fried monkey. We had, like, iguana, which isn't too crazy. Oh, wow. We had chicken foot soup, where, like, you take the foot and you individually bite off, like, each knuckle of the chicken. Oh, my god. the foot and, like... Get the meat off of it and throw the bone away.
0: We need to tell KFC about that. That sounds oh, yeah. good. Finger licking. Chicken feet. Yeah.
1: That was like a rite of passage on my mission. Is like if you knew how to eat chicken foot soup properly, the members would be like, ah, he's one of us. He's now. one of us. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> I think that, no, it wasn't chicken feet. It was pig's feet in mm-hmm. North Carolina. That was kind of the thing. Pig's feet and chitlins. Uh, chitlins are gross, but. Oh, yeah. Um. So <laughs> you had monkey. Fried monkey. Fried monkey. They, brain, that one was pretty pizza. funny.
1: The member, he like, he's like, oh, we got dinner for you. Like, let's eat it. Then after, I'll show you the picture of how we prepared it. Oh, my gosh. So, like, we ate it. And I was like, oh, like, it's pretty good. What was it? And they're like, oh, it was, like, fried monkey. <laughs> and they, like, showed us a picture of, like, the monkey dead before they fried it. Felt kind of bad. We had, <laughs> yeah. like, caiman. Like, caiman was kind of, like, common there. Oh, that's, like, crocodile, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Big They were fried up, and that yeah. was pretty good. They had, like, a river monster there. Oh, wow. Like, the show River Monsters came to Guyana and had a show about, I think it's called Kwee Kwee. It's like a big river fish. Okay. We remember that, like, he made his living off of catching Kwee They would fry him up in curry, and you couldn't really taste the fish, but it was pretty good.
0: Oh, man. All right, Eric, I hear you got another one for us. Want to hear it?
1: Okay, yeah, I got another one for you. It's kind of exciting. Brian hasn't even heard this one. He, I don't know, he's pretty good at just, like, constantly asking people about, like, oh, what's, what's your mission story, and... This one came up, we got excited about it, and this is the first time I'm telling about it. But to give a little background, in high school, I was kind of a pyro. I do
0: remember that. Eric is my brother-in-law, and I was around him a little bit while he was in high school.
1: I got in trouble with some chlorine bombs and some other fires, and all around, just, that was something to know about me, is I just love fires. But on my mission, it's something common is like you go up to members, and like, oh, like, is there anything we can do, is there any service we can do for you? And there was one member that kind of lived out in the jungle. He had a big plot of land. He kind of had his own farm. And he's like, oh, like the farming season's over. Like, would you come over and help me slash burn my, my field? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I, w- I would yes. love that. I will be there. So I was, I was really pumped for it. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, like it'll be a big enough project. Like you can invite other missionaries if you want. So it was me and then a local missionary. So someone that was from Suriname, 17-year-old kid, and then two other missionaries from America. We showed up there and like he picked that day because the wind was supposed to be really low. It was like a very calm day. And he's like, oh, like to kind of give you like a map, his house and like everywhere he lived was on the far west side of his plot of land. And then he had a big road that went through the middle. And then on the east side of the road, there was his like field. Okay. And then further east of the field was like the actual like Amazon jungle. Okay. Like huge, dense, big trees there. So the plan was we're going to start on the far east side. The wind's blowing a little bit to the west, and it's just going to slowly burn. So we got there. We got ready for it. Like, we didn't really think anything was going to happen, so we had, like, a couple buckets, but that was about it. Then we had, you know...
0: Butane lighter. Just yeah, like butane that.
1: lighter for everyone. And we lit the first part, and it was, like, moving really slow. So members was like, oh, like, go and light a few other places. Like, let's get this thing going. So then by that point, we'd had, like, four or five different spots going... And it started moving. We were probably there for like 15, 20 minutes. And it was just, you know, pretty chill, like fun watching it, but nothing really crazy going on. And then, kind of out of nowhere, a huge gust of wind started coming. (laughs) It just picked up, and we're like, oh crap. (laughs) So, this like teeny, slow moving fire turned into this like raging, big fire that was heading towards the forest, heading to the east.
0: Heading towards the Amazon. Yeah, heading towards (laughs) the Amazon. So,
1: like, it was good. It wasn't going towards his house, and like, that was a good thing, but. (laughs) Quickly like we started to panic. And like <laughs> that's the best way I, I can right imagine reaction. it is like if you've seen the office, like their their fire safety day, where Dwight has like the fake fire in the office and everyone starts to panic. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's like, Stay calm, stay calm <laughs> <laughs> Like that's that's what I imagine. Everyone starts panicking. We all start running around and kinda of in the middle or like south of his field there's a pond there. So we started going grabbing buckets and trying to, you know, create a barrier where it wouldn't get to the forest. Like, the goal is, like, we don't care about the field, but we don't want to burn down the forest there. Right. So we're slowly picking up buckets, like, trying to stop the the fire. Then at one point, I just hear, like, a full-on, like, as loud as you've ever heard, like, high-pitched scream. (laughs) And I look over, and my companion was running out of the pond, and there was, like, a caiman or, like, an alligator right there, like, right next to him. So he was going to get water, and there was an alligator that came out of nowhere, and then, like, everyone else was fighting this fire. But it was just, like... Full-on panic mode. Everyone's trying to stop it. And it got to the point where, like, if it gets big enough, you can't do anything. Yeah. You know, having... Pouring a little bit of water on it, it's not going to do anything. So, we just kind of stopped. And it got to the point where it was taking on, like, full-on huge trees. Trees. Just torching them. Oh, no. Like, these really luscious trees there. It hadn't got to the point where it was, like, really deep. But, like, there's a few one-off trees that are just taking out super quick. But what was really crazy is, like, we got to the point where we couldn't do anything... We like got together in a circle. We said a prayer, like, please, Heavenly Father, like, help us. You know, we can't do anything here, but stop the fire. Like, we don't want to burn down the forest. And we just pled with them. We sat there for a minute, like watching the fire, like kind of cool, but also just like, oh, crap. And then the wind just died down. Like, it just completely went still. There was no wind. And slowly, but surely the fire just like went away.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So really within... A minute or two of saying the prayer, you saw the wind die down and yeah, fire, fire Yeah, within
1: down. a couple of minutes of saying the prayer, the wind stopped. And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes after that, the fire was under control for the most part.
0: Wow, that's amazing. What did the owner of the land doing during this time? Was he freaking out or was he trying to keep things under control? What was uh, he doing?
1: I mean, I think he was he was like panicking like the rest of us. He was probably more calm than a bunch of 18-year-old kids trying to put out the fire. But... At the end of the day, like, if we burn down some trees, it's a bummer. But it's not, like, there are no houses around there. No one was really going to get hurt. But obviously, we don't want to burn down the forest. But he was fairly calm, like, trying everything he could to put out the fire. Like, along with, like, water, like, pouring water. We were going around, like, stomping out little fires. Yeah. Like, doing all we could to stop it. But, yeah, he was running kind of around like a madman, trying to organize it and get water where he thought we should put water to try to stop the fire from going further. But, yeah, it was just... Purely a miracle, like, it's one of those things that you can't do anything about. If a fire is going, like, you can't stop it. The only thing that could really stop it at that point is, like, no wind and no way to really stoke the fire.
0: Did you tell your mom about that? Did you write home about that? Or tell your mission president in a letter to the president or anything like that? I'm
1: trying to remember. I think it might have been something that I didn't, like, mention that week, but, like, a couple weeks later, maybe... (laughs) But the funny part is like we have this picture of us just like covered in ash and oh, man. <laughs> like as missionaries just super dirty and I think we're holding like hatchets or, you know, just a machete and a bucket of water. So we got a good picture from it. But yeah, it was it was pretty intense at the time.
0: And tell me about the caiman. How big do you remember the caiman that you I saw? I mean,
1: it wasn't huge. Like caimans don't get all that big. It's probably like three or four feet long. Okay. I like, could for sure do damage. You know, they could mess you up. But they're not going to like eat you whole or anything.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Just random came in in the middle of came out of nowhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean they were pretty common there. Just like at the time, you're in the lake trying to get the water, you know, filling up your bucket, and you just like see the eyes peering out at you.
0: And so, what was the talk between the missionaries when that when that was done? Were you guys amazed? Kind of everybody recognizing that this was a miracle, or like how? what, What was what was that conversation like?
1: I mean, I think it was just like pure, like wow, that was wild. Like that was crazy. Like I'm really glad I was here for it. Like cool experience, but. It's crazy to, like, actually put your faith out there and have it be, like, pretty quickly rewarded or, like, you know, verified. Like, it's cool to say a prayer and then almost immediately get, like, an answer to that prayer. Like, that's pretty uncommon.
0: Yeah, that is super cool. Slightly, slightly more intense than the I've lost my keys scenario and I need to find them to go somewhere (laughs) there is a fire that's raging and I need your help.
1: It's just cool to, like, you can only do so much as a human, as a person. Like, your limit goes to a certain point and then after that, like... You need God's help. I think that's like a really good example of grace where you do all you can. Then, after you've done all you can, God can come in and do the rest for you.
0: I really like that. That's a great synopsis of that. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming and sharing that story with us. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, no problem. Glad you made it out. Glad the forest <laughs> made it out.
1: Yeah, we're alive, saving the forest, and doing our part.
0: Very good. Eric, thank you so much for telling us that story. But thinking about that and, you know, other probably more spiritual experiences while you're on your mission. I know I've asked you this question before you've been on the podcast before was serving a mission worth it
1: and how did it prepare you for the rest of your life? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what my mind is going to right now is it's kind of funny. I actually missed the first four days of school. So I got back Thursday night for my mission. Friday morning, I went to the U I went to my first class and I think it was just amazing Go straight from you know studying every day the gospel, really getting everything I could out of my scripture study, to then transitioning into uh, academia, into what I was studying, and I was just super blessed by that. I'm really grateful that I was able to build those those habits from my mission and then transfer it not only into school but into my actual work that I'm doing now. And I attribute a lot of my success in in school and in work to the the habits and the lessons that I. I learned from my mission.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, I obviously know your wife really well, us being in laws. How did it prepare you uh, to get married and to be a husband?
1: Yeah, I mean, living with a random person that you may or may not like, <laughs> I think prepares you very well. Like, I love my wife, absolutely. But, you know, there are times where you just don't get along and being on a mission kind of t- teaches you how to be like, okay, it's not worth it. Like, I'm going to. I'm going to be submissive. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to think the issue is me and not them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I think it just, it prepares you very well for that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that too. And Maybe just one more question along these lines. I've heard a lot of people come up with some dollar figure, you know, and say like, would you trade your mission for a billion dollars or a million dollars? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the answer that you normally get is, is no, I would not. But a billion dollars is a lot of money, Eric. Like, <laughs> that is a lot of money if somebody came and said i will give you one billion dollars to erase your memory of your mission and to kind of reverse what what you did would you would you say no (laughs) to one thousand million dollars eric
1: you know i i feel like i i go through these things with my friends and a billion dollars that's a lot of money yeah i i don't know that's that's a tough one if it was a million dollars like no way i'm gonna go on my mission I'm gonna have those experiences. They're things that I could never trade money for. But I don't know, a billion dollars, I could could take that. I could retire. I could go on a senior mission and have good experiences. Like I, I part of me wants to say, like, no, I wouldn't trade it. But a billion dollars is dollars is a lot of money.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. I think people have those similar thoughts. Like I've kind of grappled with that too. So if you did have a billion dollars, you could you could retire. A lot you could
1: do a lot you of good. You could retire.
0: You could you know do a lot of good with that money yeah it's it's an interesting question i think i really probably come back to no i wouldn't trade it just because i think of the individual people that i met and i can kind of picture them in my mind you know and i can think back to those moments that were so meaningful to me and i don't i guess i don't know what my life would be like without them you know i wouldn't want to take a chance i guess maybe yeah those are just so important to me like i don't i don't know what do you think about
1: that what I'm thinking is like, I'm thinking, okay, if I have a billion dollars now after my mission, I would try to do a lot of noble things with that. But if I got a million dollars and my mission was erased, I think I would have very different motives what I would do with that billion dollars. I'd be a lot more selfish. I'd be a lot more like, greed oriented. So yeah, it might be it might be a negative having that much money and not having my mission.
0: I think you're right. That's a, the right viewpoint for it. That's what the mission is about, you know, is is for you to change yourself. I think last thing that I'll say here, and then I'll let you go, in Preach My Gospel, I remember reading a little blurb from, I think it was Boyd K. Packer. And it says something along along the lines of, if the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles knew, absolutely knew, that you would not have any success on your mission, like you would not baptize a single person or like really have a meaningful impact, they would still send you. Oh, for sure. To change you, you know, and to yeah. make you into who you would be.
1: I know. And I was kind of thinking about this earlier today. Like, I'm a, I'm a stats guy. I do I do stats for my work. And I was thinking about how many how many lessons I taught on my mission, how many doors I knocked. Like, I think I easily taught over 3,000 lessons on my mission. Wow. I think we averaged, you know, five a day. I think there were days I probably knocked hundreds of doors Tens of thousands of doors m- over my mission. And as you look back, you remember like three, four, five of them. I think those are the ones you talk about, like in a testimony meeting. Those are the ones that you're you're talking with your friends, you tell those stories, but I think you're changed and you're converted by the thousands and not the one that you know perform the miracle. But it's all the ones that you are like you feel inspired, you knock on the door, and nothing happens. I think that's where, you know, I really was converted. It's like, you know what? I feel good. Whether someone got baptized, whether they even opened the door, I knew at this time I was doing the right thing in my mind. And whether it was a good thing or not, like, I guess whether it landed or not, you know, I felt good that I did it. And I knew that God was happy that I did that as well.
0: Thank you for that. I think that's really profound. It's not the three or four or five that you remember and you tell your friends. It's you know, those those successes, it's the thousands of, of ones that didn't pan out. But you were there and you did it and you sacrificed and you are committed, and that's what made you who you are. Yeah. And that's where I, that's where I think I can't put a dollar value to you experience and gain on your mission, I think.
1: I think this is why like this podcast is cool too. Like it normalizes that obviously we have miracle. You talk about miracles in the podcast and uh, stories that worked out really well, but you also hear about people that threw up in a lesson or you know, whatever it is, things that didn't go their way. And it's just those things happen on the mission and it's just part of the whole package that you get going out and you know, giving two years to the Lord.
0: Well, Eric, I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for joining us again. No problem. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contact on my mission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at when I was on my mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five star rating in your podcast app.